Dr. Michael Youssef introduces you to Simeon today on Leading the Way. Simeon's expectations were not fixed on the world economy. His expectations were not fixed on the stock market. His expectations were not even based on his own righteousness, which is his qualification. But his total expectations were based and squarely set and rested on the promises of God. Christmas 2019 is just two weeks away. And as we look forward to this year's celebration, we must remember that those living before Jesus' birth had a very different perspective. They were all living in expectation of the coming Messiah, living in hope for the future. And in 2019, we understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of that hope. Next on Leading the Way, Dr. Michael Youssef helps you look closely at the Christ of Christmas and the impact of his birth, life, death, and resurrection, and what it can have on you today. This is a message Dr. Youssef calls Real and Unreal Expectations. Listen with me as he begins. Back um, in early 1977, my family and I moved to the West Coast from Australia. And uh, being an observer of culture, I noticed that there are more people in the United States who suffered emotional depression than I've seen in other parts of the world. That kind of troubled me a little bit. I wanted to know why. And of course, I'm not talking about chemical depression. I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm talking about sheer emotional depression. And the question that plagued me for some time, why? And for those two years, first two years, I lived on a university campus where many of my neighbors were studying to be doctors of psychology. So I thought, well, they might be able to help me. And I began to ask them, why is this? He gave me the standard answers, you know, just the, the fast-paced society in which we live and how the population is not able to keep up with the technological advance, and, but I wasn't contented. I knew there was something else. I was not satisfied with those raw answers. For one thing, why, for example, there are more emotional depression in the time, Christmas time, let's say, or holiday time, when it should be a time for celebration and joy of the birth of Jesus. Why is it in this richest nation in the world? Why is it in this freest nation in the world? Why is it in this highest per capita income in the world? Why is it that in a nation where pets and animals live better off than so many people in the world population? Why is it? And finally, I got the answer. You might not agree with me, but at least I was satisfied. And there are basically two words. Unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. And it is a fact that the higher and the more unrealistic our expectations are, the greater the disappointment when these expectations are not fulfilled. It is a fact that the greater the hype, the harder the letdown. The greater the buildup, the harder the fall, the higher the expectations, the deeper the despair when those expectations are not met. The more unrealistic these expectations are, the greater the emotional despair when these unrealistic expectations are not met. Since that time, of course, I have had several years of experience. I've seen it. I've heard it over 
and over and over again. Unrealistic expectation of a husband, of his wife. Unrealistic expectation of wife of her husband. Unrealistic expectations by children of their parents. Unrealistic expectations by some parents of their children. Unrealistic expectations of employees of their employer. And unrealistic expectations from employers of their employees. And the list goes on and on and on. Unrealistic expectations of a church. And I even dare say unrealistic expectations of a pastor. That will let you down sooner or later. (laughs) Take it from me. Many of these unrealistic expectations stem from comparisons. Compare ourselves. And then we conclude by saying, well, if I have her life, if I have his life, if I have his or her money, if I have her husband, if I have his wife, if I have, if, if I had, if I had, will make me happy. The truth is, it will not. It is not a secret that most discontentments in marriages are due to unrealistic expectations. It's like the two women who run into each other had not seen each other for years. In fact, they had not seen each other since they both were single. And then they run into each other in the street, and one asked the other, and she said, um, has your husband lived up to all the promises he made to you when you got married? She said, just one. She said, oh, which one? The one when he told me that he wasn't good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Unrealistic expectations. And of course, there's the other extreme. The other extreme is expecting nothing. When you expect nothing whatsoever, you really belong to the pessimist club. One man said, always borrow money from a pessimist. He never expects you to pay it back. (laughs) The pessimist motto is this, blessed is he who expects nothing, for he will not be disappointed. But today I want to tell you about an expectation, an expectation that you can absolutely certain it will never disappoint you. And that is when you place your expectations firmly and solidly upon the Word of God. When you place your expectations firmly on the promises of God. When you place your expectations firmly on the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on around you, no matter how long it may take, no matter how unrealistic other people think about your expectations, you can be absolutely sure that God will never disappoint you. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Beginning at verse 25, this prayer by Simeon, or a song, prayer, you can take it either way, has been known throughout the ages by its Latin derivative, Nunc Dimittis, which literally means, you now dismiss. We know very little about Simeon. In fact, beyond this passage, we don't know much about him at all. He was a man who placed his expectations fully and squarely upon the promise of God the Holy Spirit that he gave him. And therefore, he was not disappointed. Now, there's something here I don't want you to miss. It's one thing to know that he had placed his expectations on the promise of God that the Holy Spirit revealed to him. It's another thing for you to know that this man was just an ordinary person. 
Because we often think that God only uses big-name preachers, or clergy, or priests, or pastors. That God only uses people who have bigger platform. The reality is, and I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to learn this, the truth is this, as you study history, and the history of revival especially, you're going to find that it were lay people who ignite God used to ignite revivals, not people in the pulpits. And here's a man. He was not a priest. He was not a high priest. He was not a rabbi. He was not a scribe. He was not a leader of the Pharisees. He was not a member of the Sanhedrin. He was not a prominent person in any religious sense whatsoever. And yet God chose to reveal to him the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me out on this one. Simeon's expectations were not fixed on Rome. His expectations were not set on the movers and the shakers of his time. His expectations were not set on the religious hierarchy of the day. His expectations were not set on the world economy. His expectations were not fixed on the stock market. His expectations were not even based on his own righteousness, which is his qualification. But his total expectations were based and squarely set and rested on the promises of God. For it is only when you and I firmly place our expectations on the promise of God revealed in the Word of God will we dare to believe the impossible and to expect the unexpected and to hope for the hopeless and to attempt the unattainable, to be convicted of that which is inconceivable and to see the invisible and do the undoable. And there's not a single person here today can say, well, I'm just an ordinary Christian. God specializes in using ordinary Christians. The Bible tells us very little about this man. Actually, God only tells us what matters to God. The Holy Spirit tells us that this is how Simeon has been judged by God. This is how he is viewed by God. Look at verse 25. Now there was a man, no titles, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. What school did he go to? Makes no difference. What degrees did he accumulate? Probably none. What status did he accomplish? We don't know. What was the statement of his net worth? Makes no difference. It's only a number on a piece of paper. None of that was important to God. See, the Bible tells us that this man basically was standing guard. He was standing guard. That's what the word here, I'll explain in a minute. Daily, he was on duty. (laughs) He daily was expectant of the fulfillment of the promises of God from Genesis to Malachi. He was promised by God, the Holy Spirit, that he will personally see the Messiah. The word here indicates a term like a sentinel. Watching, waiting, praying, serving, giving, trusting. And so when he saw the baby Jesus with his own eyes, When he held that baby in his arms, when he saw the Savior of the world to be born, when he saw the one who is all his sufficiency had come into the world, he said, now, now I can be released from my duty. Now I can be dismissed from my waiting. Now I can leave my post. Now I can depart from my service. 
Now I can go to glory and be with God forever. Now it is time for me to step down from my watchtower. Now that I have expected God's deliverer and trusted in His promise, and here I have seen Him with my own eyes, now that all of my expectations have been fulfilled more perfectly than I thought possible, I'm ready to go to glory. I can go in peace. What confidence in the promises of God. I mean, incredible confidence. What fulfillment of expectations of Him in the Word of God, in the promise of God. What peace that passes understanding, what joy unspeakable that comes from trusting in the promises of God and the Word of God. Look at verse 29. Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. What brought about this confidence? What brought about this peace in this man who had been waiting and praying and giving and serving? Verse 30. Because my eyes have seen the fulfillment of all of Israel's expectations, now I can be set free. Now, beloved, listen to me. When you set your expectations on the promises of God in the Word of God, God will never disappoint you. What was the expectations of Simeon? Listen carefully. That Israel's Messiah and the Gentiles' only hope for salvation would come to the world and that he would see him with his own eyes. That the one whom God have promised long ago would come in his lifetime. That he would see the one that previous generations have only hoped for and hoped to see and longed to see, but did not. Now Simeon sees with his own eyes the one that people for thousands of years have been expecting and waiting for. Now, you must understand, Simeon was not the first generation to hope for and expect the coming of Jesus. That was thousands of years of trusting and believing that God will do what He said He will do. They have waited and they have watched for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ for thousands of years. They kept on passing that expectations to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Well, I'm dying. Maybe you will see the coming of the Messiah. I'm dying, but you may see the coming of the Messiah. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you told your children to live expectantly of the second coming of Jesus Christ? The sad irony is that the return of Jesus is like an alien thought among so many believers, particularly the younger generation. And yet, everything we do, every time we serve, every time we give, every time we minister should be with an eye on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, which appears to be closer now than ever. You see, the Jewish expectations of the birth of the Messiah goes back all the way to Adam and Eve. Simeon was not the first generation to wait for Jesus and the birth of the Messiah. As a matter of fact, when Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden and God made them a promise and He said that the seed of the woman is going to come and He's going to be your Savior, they did not know how long He's going to be. And so when Cain was born, they thought Cain was the seed of the woman, their first son. And that's why they named him Cain, meaning here he is. They thought he was the Messiah. But they have to wait some more. And that was in Genesis. And then the generation in the book of Exodus were also waiting for him to come. 
the Lamb of God. And then the generation of Leviticus were waiting for him to come, who is the high priest. And then the generation of the book of Numbers, they're waiting for him to come, the smitten rock. And then the generation of Deuteronomy followed the book of Numbers, and they were waiting for the prophet, followed by the book of Joshua, where he is the captain of the Lord of hosts, followed by the generation of the judges, where he is the great and final judge, followed by the generation of Ruth, where he is the heavenly kinsman redeemer, followed by Samuel, where he is the anointed one, followed by the kings, where he is the Lord of lords and the king of all kings, followed by Chronicles, where he is the glory of the temple of God, followed by Ezra, where he is the teacher from God, followed by Nehemiah, where he is the builder of broken lives, followed by Esther, where he is the protector of his people, followed by Job, where he is the comforter in times of trouble, followed by the Psalms, where he is the good shepherd, followed by Proverbs, where he is the wisdom of God, followed by Ecclesiastes, where he is the preacher of the kingdom of God, followed by the Song of Songs, where he is the bridegroom for his bride, the church, followed by Isaiah, where he is the righteousness of God, followed by Jeremiah, where he is the potter who shapes the clay of our lives into the image of God, followed by Lamentation, where he is the weeping prophet, followed by Ezekiel, where he is the wheel inside the wheel, followed by Daniel, where he is the Son of Man coming in clouds with great glory, and the stone that's not cut with hands, and the fourth member who walked in the fiery furnace, followed by Hosea, who is the love of God for the backslider, followed by Joel, who is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, followed by Amos, who is the author of judgment and of mercy, followed by Micah, who is the great intercessor between God and man, followed by Nahum, who is the stronghold in the day of trouble, followed by Habakkuk, who is the God of mercy, followed by Zephaniah, where he is the establisher of the kingdom of God, followed by Haggai, where he is the desire of all nations, followed by Zechariah, where he is the branch of Jehovah. Finally, by the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, just before the coming of Jesus Christ, where he is the refiner's fire, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness that rises all over the world with healing on his wings. Simeon said, I have set my expectations, not on my possessions, not on accumulation, not on false hopes, not even on people, but I, like all of my ancestors, I have set all of my expectations firmly and squarely on the promise of God. And now my eyes have seen the fulfillment of the promises of God of this baby, virgin-born baby, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I have seen the fulfillment of the hopes and the dreams of all previous generations on this first Christmas. He has seen it with his own eyes. That is why he said, now, Lord, let me go to glory. Let me go to glory. All my expectations have been fulfilled. There is nothing left for me to live for. Let me tell you this as I come to the end. Listen to me. Wrongly placed expectations, falsely believed expectations, 
unrealistic expectations. Expectations that are placed on people sooner or later is going to disappoint you. It's going to disappoint you. But expectations that are placed firmly and squarely on the promises of God in the Word of God will never, 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 never disappoint you or depress you. Jesus promised that He's coming back. Now there's a helpless baby. Now there's a helpless body hanging on a cross. But He's coming back with great power and great glory. And even those who have rejected Him, those who refuse to believe in Him, will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's coming back. The question is, if He comes back today, can you be absolutely certain that you'll be with Him forever? When He comes to take His children, His believers, His church, from every nation, every tribe, will you be with Him? Well, if you're not sure, you can be today. All you need to do is come to Him. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I know You're the expected Messiah. You died on a cross to pay for the wages of my sins. You rose again to assure me of my resurrection. I come to You. A powerful reminder to firmly set your expectations on the promises of God. From Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Hey, maybe today's message helped you see that your expectations are in the wrong place. And if so, maybe you'd like to have a conversation about the truth of Jesus. Well, take a moment to visit ltw.org slash Jesus. Once you're there, you can begin a conversation to find out what it really means to be a Christian in 2019. ltw.org slash Jesus. All right, think about this. You're blessed. Did you know that? I mean, what I mean is, here you are. You're listening to Dr. Michael Youssef and probably a few other Bible teachers right here on this and other stations. But not everyone's able to do that. In fact, in some places, telling people about Jesus or going to a church for worship and teaching is illegal. It's dangerous. And that's why Leading the Way goes beyond this city, reaching into nations around the world with the truth of Christ via many forms of media. In fact, recently our office has heard about an imam, that's a high-level leader in Islam, responding to messages heard on our satellite channel in the Middle East. It's called the Kingdom Sat. Now, this was an amazing sequence of events. He was prompted to watch and listen to Leading the Way, which guided him then to contact our field team in his area. That ultimately led him to step away from his Islamic tradition and to embrace the saving grace of Jesus. So not only in your community is the gospel changing hearts and changing lives through leading the way, but in all parts of the world. May we encourage you to partner with Dr. Michael Youssef during this month's Giving Challenge. Change lives right there in your neighborhood. Change lives across six continents worldwide. Give us a call. We'll tell you all about it. 866-626-4356 or online, ltw.org. Again, 866-626-4356 or ltw.org. Throughout this last year, your faithfulness and generosity have helped leading the way take the light of Christ into some of the darkest places on the globe. As we seek to finish 2019 strong, 
Dr. Youssef and Leading the Way are more determined than ever to stand firm in the truth of God's Word as we impact our world for Christ. Will you partner with us in this exciting work today? For the first time ever, you can triple your impact when you give to Leading the Way this December. For every dollar you give, ministry friends have committed to give $2. That means your $100 gift becomes $300. A $500 gift becomes $1,500. A $1,000 donation becomes $3,000. All up to $2.1 million. Triple your impact, and together we can finish the year strong. Please consider a generous gift today. You can call, write, or visit us online at ltw.org. Well, our time is gone for today. I do hope you'll make plans to join Dr. Michael Youssef next time for more Leading the Way. This program is provided by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth.